Welcome back to Why the Flick, a podcast where two friends and former journalists take on a new movie each week and ask the hard-hitting questions. I'm Elizabeth. I'm Claire. And this week, we're discussing the 2019 George Michael-inspired Last Christmas. We talk about what makes a Christmas movie a Christmas movie, inappropriate Croatian sayings, Brexit, the big twist, and of course, our Why the Flick moments. Enjoy! So, Elizabeth, why the flick did you choose this movie? I chose this movie for the same reason I watched it in the first place, which is Amelia Clark, Amelia Clark, Amelia Clark. (laughs) Yeah, I adore her. I don't know who doesn't. If you don't, you just haven't met her or you haven't seen her or anything. Um, She is best known as Mother of Dragons from Game of Thrones. Our queen. Our queen forever. I actually just rewatched the last two seasons. I'm still kind of recovering. Spoiler, it doesn't end well for her. She was kind of done dirty. They, after, all right. Yeah, they totally did her wrong. I still have issues about that, but I'll put yeah. that aside for now. Yeah, that's another day. Also, I feel like in a world crowded with bad, shallow Christmas movies, I'm always excited to see one that I think is good or at least a better option i think this is a much better option than the hallmark christmas movie empire like i don't know what you call that mm-hmm. and i look and i'm not hating because i understand so a lot of people love them occasionally i love to watch a bad hallmark christmas movie uh, oh i hate them okay. it's okay great okay that's not i'm not offended by that at all okay good um i am going to say though just from the top here This movie did not get a lot of love from critics. Yes, I saw lots of criticism. Yeah, it was it was panned pretty, pretty hard. Uh, So I'm willing to admit and accept that I might like what is actually a bad movie or not a great movie. We'll talk about all those different things, but um, I like it. And yes, Amelia Clark is really the reason why or a big reason why. if you haven't seen her in anything other than Game of Thrones, it's an entirely different person. In oh, Game for of, sure. Yeah. In Game of Thrones, she's she's such a, a stoic, kind of cold character. Um, her face is is very still. And then you see her in something like Last Christmas or Me Before You, which is a, a great movie. And she has the most expressive face. Um, she brings such personality. So it's it, they're totally different. Amelia Clarks and and I love them both. Yeah, her, her personality and her character in this movie was probably my favorite part. Her humor, I think, was so funny, and her kind of like, oh, it's just like sarcastic humor in a way, um, really resonated with me. So I definitely liked her a ton in this movie. That's probably like one of the favorite, my most favorite things about this movie. So this is the first time you watched it, right? Yes, this was my first time watching and I like kept meaning to watch it um, because it's been out for a few years now. So when you put this on our uh, list for this episode, I was really excited to see it. And I only knew three things about it going into it. I knew it was about Christmas. I knew there was a love story and I knew there was a big twist. 
Um, and I'm proud to say that I have remained spoiler free since it came out. So I never like knew exactly what the twist was going to be. Um, I'm going to save all my theories until we talk about the twist itself. But I want to say that for four years, I had one theory. Um, and then the morning of before I watched it, I figured it out and I was right. So I was, I was happy with that. But as far as like my feelings toward this, and I, I know you say you really liked it, so I don't <laughs> want to like come at your, you know, movie. Come I don't want to disappoint you. <laughs> okay. I have, I just have mixed feelings about it. Um, I liked it. I thought it was fine, but I do really love like the classic Christmas movies and mm. I don't know, this one just didn't like do it for me. Um, like I also have some issues where I feel like the movie tried to make a lot of points and be a lot of things, but um, they, I feel like they only really did one effectively and the rest kind of got lost in translation. And to your point where you said the thing about the Hallmark movies, this kind of reminded me of a Hallmark movie, which I'm not a big fan of, but that's just my take. I mean, yeah, there's, yeah, there's, there's another movie this one actually reminds me of, but it goes along with the twist. So I'll bring it up then. But yeah, that was it's, how I felt. It's definitely Hallmark E. Mm-hmm. The difference is is the cast that you have, which we'll get into. Yeah. Um, and I think some of the writing and the comedy. Um, and I think it does take a big risk. And a lot of people will say that that risk did not pan out. Um, now, I will say like the biggest revelation I had when I was researching this movie is that it is basically a tribute to George Michael um, because he was part of the Wham duo who wrote Last Christmas. Um, and so like within IMDb trivia, I thought this was really interesting. So the movie is set in 2017. And so from that context, it said last Christmas would mean December 25th, 2016. Um, this is the same day that musician George Michael died um, so again, I think that is a, a really nice tribute to him. And I totally respect that. I don't want to take anything away from that by any means. I just think when you think about it and how they leaned into the lyrics of the song last Christmas, it's like a little bit of a stretch for me, just in my opinion. You mean how it connects to the song as a stretch? Yeah. It's like okay. a literal, yeah. I guess they took it pretty literally. Yeah. Um, okay, let's let's get into that. But first, I want to okay. read a description. We don't always do a description of the movie, but um, I think it'll be good to help set this up. And you can tell me how uh, off I am <laughs> okay, <laughs> or how accurate I am. Okay, so one year after surviving heart surgery, Kate works as an elf at a year-round, uber-tacky Christmas decor shop in London. In between dusting ornaments and selling baby Jesus statues, she unsuccessfully auditions as a singer. As she stumbles through her days, she inadvertently hurts those around her, including her sister and immigrant parents, and burns every bridge she has. When a strange, mysterious man pops into her life, she is forced to make peace with her past and take responsibility for her actions and her life. I think that's pretty great description. That was very well done. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. So if you haven't seen it, that's what we're talking about. But I'm assuming anyone here. <laughs> and it was, and you didn't, uh, you didn't, you didn't give the spoiler. So that was a good thank you. You left that part out in case people hadn't seen it yet. Thank you for noticing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So cast Amelia Clark, as I have already gushed about, uh, she plays Kate, also known as Katerina. 
Uh, Henry Golding, who you might know from Crazy Rich Asians, he plays Tom, the other lead in this movie. Uh, you have Emma Thompson, who plays Kate's mom, Petra. You have Michelle Yeoh, also from Crazy Rich Asians, among other things. Uh, she plays Santa, which is her nickname. She owns the Christmas shop where Kate, or Amelia Clark, works. Yep. That's kind of the, um, the main cast. It's directed by Paul Feig. Uh, you know him from Bridesmaids, Spy, The Heat, The Ghostbusters Reboot, A Simple Favor. He also directed 15 episodes of The Office. Uh, as you can tell from that list, he has directed a lot of female-driven comedies, um, which again is kind of the, the case here. Also, fun fact, we have the same birthday. Oh my gosh. September 17th. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so wow. there's that. Um, so you mentioned George Michael. This is, the movie is based off or inspired by his song in Wham! Uh, Last Christmas, which was released in 1984. Um, Emma Thompson and Greg Wise, who is Emma Thompson's husband, uh, wrote the story or they're credited with the story of this film. And then Brianni Kimmings, who I'm not familiar with, um, helped write the script with Emma Thompson as well. Uh, like I said, the song was released in 1984, written and produced by George Michael. Um, another fun fact that did not hit number one on the charts until New Year's Day this year, 2021. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. It's, so it's, it's been known as like one of the most popular, if not the most popular Christmas song. Um, but the year that it was released, another song was released that George Michael is also on. Um, and blanking on the name now, but anyway, that was always at the number one spot. And so, mm. uh, last Christmas always stayed at number two, but now it's number one. So that's that. Any thoughts on the cast and crew, Claire? Yeah, I think, um, we like I've already said, gushed over Amelia Clark Bean and this movie, which I read also on IMDb trivia that she did all of her own singing in this movie. Kudos to her. Um, I was really surprised that Emma Thompson was in this movie. Like when she first came on screen, I was like, Emma Thompson's in this. Um, so I was kind of happy to see her. And then um, I was also realizing like the connection between Henry Golding, who's in it, and then Michelle, how do you pronounce her last name? Yeon? Yeah. Yo. So Michelle Yo in it too, who are in Crazy Rich Asians, also another great movie. But yeah, I, I thought the cast, I thought they did a really good job with the casting overall. I mean, Amelia Clark just really steals it for me. Yeah, I think if anyone had been cast in that, I, I wouldn't even look twice at this movie. Yeah. I think she for sure made that movie and carried that movie. Um, as you mentioned, the soundtrack is all George Michael, uh, includes songs like Last Christmas, Faith, Freedom, and Wake Me Up Before You Go Go. So if anything, it's fun. I liked that. Yeah. I liked that um, a lot of the songs were symbolic too. So like there was a song, I think the song they're sitting at the beginning is called Heal the Pain. Mm -hmm. um and it's like there's a, a lyric that goes you tell me you're cold on the inside how can the outside world be a place that your heart can embrace so I feel like that really went into what was going on in the movie and then in the end credits um another song that was by George Michaels called this is how I don't know if that came out after he had died or it was like it's more, a more recent one but one of the lines that I kept hearing over and over again was I guess I will always try to get my shit together and which I really liked um, I thought that was uh, just just for my own personal humor, pretty good. But yeah, so the music, I love the music throughout this this movie. Okay, 
I want to talk about um, Kate and Tom as individual characters. Okay. Uh, so Kate, she was born in the former Yugoslavia. That's actually where the uh, movie starts. We get one scene. She is singing in the choir. It's 1999. Uh, her mom, sister, and father are in the audience watching her. Um, the family fled, I, I, I believe, around 1999. I don't know if it says specifically, but I think they fled soon after. Um, I will say in that scene, she looks like, I don't know, 14, 15 to me. So then it's interesting to me that then they fled to London, but she doesn't, Kate does not have like an accent or anything. Yeah, I I made note of that too. And I feel like that kind of goes into this whole like assimilation of wanting to maybe like westernize yourself a little bit because she also changes her name from Katarina to Kate. Um, yes. So I feel like that went into it a little bit. Yeah, as you mentioned, uh, her full name is Katerina. She insists by going uh, by Kate. She's always correcting her sister and her parents. Um, we know that she had heart surgery last Christmas. It's kind of a slow reveal. Um, she alludes to an illness a few times, um, and then eventually we figure out um, she had heart surgery. Um, something that I like about this, and it's another thing that drew me to the movie, is the parallel between uh, Kate's story with her illness and Amelia Clark. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know how familiar you are, but Amelia Clark had two life-threatening brain aneurysms. This was, I think the first was between season one and season two of uh, Game of Thrones. And then she had a second one um, a couple years later. Um, she wrote a piece for the New Yorker about it. Um, I couldn't reread it because I hit the paywall. It's okay. Um, but she talks a lot about it. She has an organization, a charity called Same You, uh, where she advocates for um, people with brain injuries and illnesses. And so there are some clear parallels, um, both young women who undergo very unexpected life-threatening uh, medical incidents. Um, so I liked that. Um, Amelia Clark called it serendipitous that she got to play a character going through um, kind of a similar experience. Um, Kate has a strained relationship with her parents, uh, particularly her mom, who is uh, very overbearing. She's very um, traditional. Her mom is really who took care of her um, after the heart surgery, which by the way, we don't really know much more other than it was a heart thing and she had surgery. Yeah, she, she had, had a heart transplant. She had, there was something wrong with her heart. She was sick. And so she had to have a heart transplant, but they yeah. never got into what it was exactly which maybe you don't need yeah. to um but her mom was the one who took care of her um kate thinks that her mom kind of thrived under that environment and found purpose and kind of liked the the drama even of her daughter being sick and taking care of her and now that kate has had a heart transplant or ha had heart surgery um and she's better she's she's in the clear it appears um she thinks her mom kind of misses when Kate was sick. Um, and that's kind of a big um, point of friction between the two of them. Amelia playing Kate, it, we kind of alluded to this in the beginning. She has such an ability to totally embody a character and convey such personality. And in, in large part, I think to her face because it is so expressive because she has such command over it. Um, she's just, uh, 
you, you could give her a, a half written character and I think she would she would turn into something special. It's also helpful because her character is incredibly selfish and inconsiderate, kind of an asshole most of the time. Uh, so she's not very likable, but I think Amelia Clark makes this character likable enough to where we want to uh, go along with her and follow her uh, through the story. Um, so that's Kate. Any thoughts on Kate? I agree with you. I feel like the way she was written and the way that Amelia, Amelia Clark portrayed the, the character, it made us like the character, not so much everybody else. Um, I think at one point someone is quoted with saying she's the most selfish woman in the world and she does have she does couch surf so she ends up living with a lot of friends and um, trying to find the next spot to stay in and you know she's always like you know uh, destroying their property so like she kills somebody's fish she sets a matchstick galleon I think is what it was on fire there was the ship thing yeah it was a match match matchstick galleon because I had the subtitles on um okay (laughs) so I think that's what it was there was like also some puffy ball thing that she sat on which I really tried to look up what that was but I could not find it um but yeah I mean I I feel like Kate's also like that's like the the surface level of her but when you look in like into her character a little bit more you can tell like all of these things that she's doing are kind of coping mechanisms for what happened to her with her heart transplant yeah and I think most of her um her thoughtlessness is relatively harmless and kind of comical like sitting on the poofy thing whatever that is that little sculpture thing Mm -hmm. the ship um the I mean you know, RIP to that fish, um, <laughs> dropping the hairdryer in the, in the fish tank. Uh, there is one thing, and I, I'll go ahead and mention it now, though, that is pretty fucked up. And that's when she outs her sister. Yeah. So they're at a family dinner. They get into an argument. And Kate asks her sister, Marta, where's your girlfriend? Why mm-hmm. don't you bring her around? Um, which we can talk more about later. But I would say that's the one thing that she does that's really hurtful uh, and and makes it hard to be on her side. Yeah, that was for me, like, uh, I don't want to say unforgivable, but that was like, oh, girl, you went too far in that sense. Um, Yeah, and but I think that was also the maybe probably worst thing she had done and up until that point. And so at that point, it became a turning point for her to right. make a change. So, yeah. Right. Okay, let's talk a little bit about Tom, which there's not a ton to say because we don't know a lot about him. He is kind of a mystery. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know that he works nights at the homeless shelter. Um, he pops out of nowhere. He drops into her life out of nowhere and then kind of disappears and comes back when she needs him. Um, he doesn't have... A cell phone he says that he locked his cell phone away in his cupboard he wears basically the same thing every day uh same kind mm. of ensemble it's it's a long uh light brown like trench is it a trench coat or peak something like that yeah um and then his sweater does change but they're all like basic neutral colors so it's all very similar uh he kind of dances everywhere he goes kind of like flits about Mm -hmm. 
that and the wardrobe, um, when we talk about the twist, I think makes sense because of who he is yeah. uh, and what the twist is. Um, he's obnoxiously optimistic. He's always telling Kate to look up uh, so she doesn't miss anything. And again, this is played by Henry Golding, who is, we know he's handsome. He's charming. Character's a bit weird, but he also feels safe. I think that's a quality that Henry Golding brings to the character. But otherwise, it's not really a role, I think, where he could shine or really any actor could shine. Because it's really a foil character to just push Kate along in her journey. Yeah, I agree. I think that when I was watching it, I was like, he's kind of a goofy guy. He's kind of quirky. Obviously, a lot of that is because of the twist. Um, But he's also, I don't want to say just like a plot device, but he's basically there to help Kate's character along. And I think you see that in the scene when he takes her to uh, his apartment and they're having a really deep conversation about, she's like finally opening up about her heart surgery and what happened to her, uh, which we can get into definitely. Um, But I think he's kind of, he kind of helps ground her in a lot of sense and gets her to be vulnerable and gets her to talk about what she experienced. And I think by having her go through that and talk about what happened to her, a weight gets lifted from her. And so she feels like she can go forward in her life um, and not have to use these coping mechanisms that she's developed over the years. Right. I started thinking of Tom as like her her guardian angel or fairy godfather yeah um and so it it does kind of feel like a plot device um maybe that's okay for this kind of character it does really serve i mean he's he is there as a character for one reason right and that is for her and that is to get her to um kind of realize the error of her ways um so maybe that's not a bad thing okay before we get into the twist i want to discuss um what kind of movie this is is this a romance? Is it a comedy? Is it a Christmas movie? Is it a rom-com Christmas movie? So let's start with, with the romance part. Okay. I adore both of them, but their relationship feels pretty platonic. The scene that you just alluded to, he, it ends with him tucking her in yeah. like a child <laughs> and then kind of a forced kiss. Again, I don't know if this is a bad thing. I like it the idea of it being a more platonic relationship, but still an intimate, close relationship. Also, after the twist and knowing what we know about him, it would have been pretty weird. Yeah. <laughs> if it went, if it went much further. Right. Uh, so, hmm. <laughs> so I don't know that I would call this a romance movie, a romantic movie. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't, I don't hate their relationship. What do you think? I didn't hate their relationship either. I think that he obviously like, it's really hard to talk about this without talking about the twist. It's um, he really didn't want the relationship to go much further because of what he was. Um, I'll just leave it there. I, find, I don't think we're spoiling it for No, anyone, I mean, but- if anybody's <laughs> listening to this, yeah. <laughs> you're gonna obviously get spoiled by now. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, the thing that like, was weird to me was that at the end when um he says something along the lines of my heart was always going to be yours and I was like that seems like are you saying you guys were destined for each other like 
I, that part to me felt a bit like of a leap. Um, yes. Okay. So you agree. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I have, I'll mention that again. We'll go back to that. Okay. So let's move on to comedy. Is it a comedy? As I was watching it, I thought that it had the kind of like humor and cheekiness of a Bridget Jones or uh, Love Actually. Mm. And then I read some reviews that said it was trying to be a Love Actually, but it failed. I totally disagree. Yeah. I think, you know, that's one of the saving graces of this movie is that it's fucking funny. And I think it's humor is in just like brilliant one-liners. And again, in the delivery and performance from people like Amelia Clark. Um, I'll just, a few like quick quotes that I loved, which maybe aren't funny out of context, whatever. Uh, when, when she meets Tom and Tom's being persistent and trying to um, uh, take her out and befriend her. Uh, and she says, I'm busy, you're weird, goodbye. Yep, loved that. Um, when she finally gives in and decides she's going to go home, to her parents and stay there because she's kind of desperate and she knocks on the door no one answers and so she pounds on the door and says kgb open up <laughs> um i love that um the the two police officers the two women yeah. who uh, just kind of pop into the film a few times uh, i read somewhere that they seem like they felt like they were out of another movie like walked off from another movie set onto this <laughs> one which yeah. i agree but i think it's they were hilarious uh the one says you make merry christmas sound like a death threat which was uh, a dead on. Yeah, it's so many good lines from Emma Thompson. She plays this very kind of like gloomy, morose <laughs> character uh, when the, they're at a doctor's appointment, and I think the doctor asks if she's like talking to her friends, and she says, "All oh, my friends were murdered." Yeah, <laughs> right. Like, deadpans it. There's a you know, I will nail you to my dick translation. Oh my, of something oh my god, wait, say. no, I have it. Um, <laughs> well, let me find it because I was like, okay. this is going to be my new favorite curse because nobody will know <laughs> what I'm saying. It's uh, Navin Tanakuras, I will nail you to my dick. And her dad explains, dick is penis. penis oh my gosh, and they had to say, <laughs> no, she goes, no, dick is our neighbor, and he goes, well, dick also means penis, and she says, our neighbor is penis. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, yeah, poor Richard. Yeah, I mean, you know, who doesn't love a good dick joke? <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I totally think this is a comedy. I had, even watching it on my third time, like still had a number of laugh out loud moments. So yeah, I'm saying yes, it's a comedy. I agree. And the opening scene when uh, Kate is taking the shower and the girlfriend comes in and Kate goes, I'm the plumber. I just wrote LOL at that part. Like that was just such a good line. Um, So I would 100% agree that it's a comedy. I like, I laughed a lot in this movie. Um, I didn't really feel like they were trying to duplicate love actually, though I can see how people would find them similar, especially like I had read Emma Thompson hadn't, I don't think she had done another Christmas movie since love actually. Um, so this was their second one. That being said, I don't know if I'd classify this as a rom-com or I don't even know if I'd classify this as a Christmas movie other than like Christmas is happening during the time. That's, yeah, that's the next question. Is it a okay. Christmas movie? Yeah. I you, Really? Okay. Tell me why it's not a Christmas movie. I like so much is ha- like Christmas is happening in the background of it so much. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like the song is last Christmas. But I feel like what's actually happening with Kate is not like a Christmas. That's not Christmas driven. I don't know. 
Here, okay, so it's it's Christmas time. She works in a Christmas store. She's dressed as a fucking elf most of the time. Uh, there's a Christmas concert. Look, I can't explain it. Wait, wait, wait. There's a Christmas concert at the end. She, I'm pretty sure it, it's not super clear, but like she had the heart transplant last Christmas. I mean, that's yeah. why that's the tie she saw on last Christmas. So she had the heart transplant on last Christmas, and then is well, we'll get into that with a twist. But to me, it's Christmas all the time, everywhere. So then the question is, what makes a Christmas movie a Christmas movie? Uh, I don't know. I, oof, I feel like I've dug myself a hole now. Um, I will say, yes, like you are 100% correct. There are all these Christmas things happening. But in context of the larger story that is happening for Kate, I feel like it's just that's the time that it was set in. And it's I would maybe think of it more of a, as a Christmas movie in context of what the twist is with Tom. Um, but they didn't really get like very into it at the end. I don't know. It's just like a feeling, I think. It's yeah. Just, well, like, I, I mean, I think what is a Christmas movie has long been up for debate, right? Some people will, right. will tell you Die Hard is a Christmas I, movie. To me, I don't think like just because it's set during Christmas time, I don't know if it's necessarily a Christmas movie. I, yes, that alone. But I feel like they, it's not like it's just in the background. Like I feel like they totally, true, true. like they embrace it. Um, okay, so we agree it's not a romance. We agree it's a comedy. We disagree on whether it's a Christmas Great. movie. Um, but we want to hear from people whether this movie called Last Christmas <laughs> is a Christmas movie. Is it? Uh, yeah. Tell us. Uh, maybe I'll do a poll. Is Last Christmas a Christmas movie? And see what people say. All right. Let's get to the twist. Oh, let's jump into good. it. Um, let's talk I'm vaguely dying. about it first. Um, so, again, I read in a lot of reviews that the joke was that the twist was given away in the trailer. I went back mm-hmm. and I watched the trailer. I don't think it is. I think it's like alluded to because they included a line of Kate saying, I had heart surgery or I, had a tar- I went into surgery or whatever. So I feel like people then deduced from that part that Tom was connected to it all. But yeah, I don't think it was ever like, Hey, this is a twist. I don't think they did that. I so I, you know, I think maybe there were some poor choices from the marketing team on that one. Like you kind of like opened mm. the door for people to speculate. And then I saw like the director was frustrated because media sites were taking those speculations as fact and then publishing them before like they had even seen the movie. So I think that was unfortunate. That was an unfortunate thing that happened. Yeah, and I know um, Amelia Clark was also annoyed with it. I think is the the right way to characterize it. Um, I think their their worry was that people were writing these f- things as fact, whether it was a media site or on social media, and then deterring people from uh, going to see it. I don't. I don't think. I suspect. I may have suspected that, like, you know, something clever was up. <laughs> um, and in watching the movie for the first time, I can't remember when I really thought, okay, no, uh, this guy's not who we think he is yeah. or whatever. 
but I do know that I suspected early on that he was not alive or that he was a figment of her uh, imagination. Mm-hmm. For me, though, the big twist and the big reveal isn't that, spoiler, <laughs> um, isn't that Tom is dead. It's that he died the same day she got her heart transplant because he donated his heart right. to her. That was the big thing for me. And I, I remember crying the first time, or at least mm-hmm. teary-eyed the first time. So to hear so many people pan it as a joke or as obvious, it's kind of a surprise to me. I mean, yes, we knew something was up. We're not yeah, stupid. The, the heart donor thing wasn't on my radar until I was watching it. And I was like, mm. I was like, oh, did he give her, it was he his heart, her heart donor, but it, it was just one of those like flash thoughts. And you're like, then you forget about it. And you're like, whatever. Um, so when it was revealed, I was like, oh, so yeah, I think there's, there's a faux twist that Tom is a ghost or an mm-hmm. angel. And then there's the real twist behind it that surprise he's actually her heart donor Um, and so that's why he's connected to her okay so let's go through the reveal I believe this is after kind of her like apology tour she spends time with her mom she's kind of seeing the light Tom has taught her a lot at this Mm -hmm. point Um, but she hasn't seen Tom so she goes to his apartment where she has she's already been before Um, he's not there but a real estate agent is She's kind of confused, but then she figures, oh, that's why this place is always so clean. He's, he's selling it. And so they keep going back and forth, uh, eventually stumbles into, oh no, this apartment has been vacant for months. It's actually in probate. She starts putting it together. She collapses to the floor. We see a montage of her moments with Tom or when she thought she was with Tom, um, but this time we see them, Tom's not there. So when, you know, she was getting changed and he was supposed to be blocking her, uh, when they went ice skating together, now we see it was just her the whole time. She pretty quickly, I think, puts that all together. Oh, and in fact, in that montage is also then the hospital scene, uh, where we see her getting carted in and we see Tom, uh, he was hit by a bus on his bike is how he died. Uh, we see him getting carted into the hospital. She's getting carted in. She, she probably puts it together than, quicker than I did on first mm-hmm. viewing exactly the, you know, the heart transplant piece of it. So she quickly puts all that um, together. Again, Amelia in her face, she plays stunned so well. She starts kind of walking through the streets of London. Uh, she's headed to this pocket park that Tom introduced her to. Uh, and that's when Tom shows up. I'll stop there. Um, what, what were your thoughts on kind of the reveal of all this? I liked the reveal because I do, I could see it coming. Um, the first twist, not the heart transplant, but I don't know. I felt like she really like understanding he was a ghost was one thing, but then connecting him as her heart donor, like happened really fast. And I was like, I don't know. I, I don't know if I would have necessarily like made that connection right away I don't know how many people would have um she was also very like accepting of the fact that he was a ghost um in the conversation when their last conversation in the garden when you know she I think really it's a very short conversation um but she says 
or she she asks him, how can I feel you? And he says, because um, I'm part of you, something along those lines. And then that's when he says, take care of my heart. It was always going to be yours one way or another. And then he leaves. So I, that scene to me felt very short and just was, yes. it was like, we're done. Goodbye. Um, I kind of wish that there was something like a little bit more there, like that my heart's yours now, go live your life. Like going along the message of what he'd been telling her all this time. So I just wanted something more. It just felt like it, she realized it. She made the connection really fast. She said, they said goodbye. They were done. Like that was just really quick for me. I agree. And I think it's a, uh, a, a, a symptom of some problems that we see throughout the film. You mentioned it before. We'll talk more about it in a minute. Uh, that it's trying to say a lot. I don't think this movie really knows what it's trying to say. But mm-hmm. let's talk about um, his line, your heart was always going to be, my heart would always be yours one yeah. way or another. Whatever that line is that I just butchered. Um, <laughs> what 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 the hell does that mean? I I was like, so this is where, again, I'm saying, you're, are you implying that you all were destined for each other? Like you would have met each other? Yeah. It was yeah. going to be yours one way or the other, which I feel like is a very big leap to make when they had never even met each other on yes. earth, like when he was alive. Um, he, I mean, I think he might've, they could have potentially had a relationship um, when he was still alive, but nobody knows. And excuse me, sir, like you're dead now. So <laughs> too late. I don't know. Too late. It, it made me yeah. wonder if there was like another version of this movie which I should have looked that up, but where they, they did meet before he died, which maybe would have been too convoluted, but I kind of like that idea. Um, yeah. But I think maybe what's more likely is that it was just kind of a, like a cute, cheeky thing for him to say. Yeah. Which is fine, but not really, not in this instance, because there's, you're, you're trying to manage the audience right now and ex- basically, you know, explain this big twist and then you throw in a line like that and now we're all fucking confused I feel like that was them trying to say don't forget guys this is also a romance movie and Mm. then they were like okay (laughs) we did it we're done I don't know yeah that was them trying to put it on the audience when the audience I don't think bought it I do I did want to say too um going back to some of the anger over the twist being revealed and, and, and just the, the expectations of a twist like this and whether it was ruined for everyone going into the movie. I think in general that a successful twist isn't always about whether or not you can you know, hide this big secret and fool the audience. I think sometimes, maybe oftentimes, it's about how you get there and it's about how you do the reveal. Um, I feel similarly, this isn't really a twist, but I use this as an example a lot, um, Avatar, which is a movie I absolutely love. Mm-hmm. It is a, it, the story itself, basically a people colonizing a planet for resources and trying to wipe out an entire uh, tribe of people. That is a tale as old as time. Like we've heard yeah. that story a million times, but for me, it's how they tell the story, right? Uh, it's, it's the characters, it's the setting, it's the, um, the graphics, animation, whatever you want to call it. Um, so it's not, it's not always about like the story or in this case, the twist, it's about how you pull it off, right? And I think, um, I think Last Christmas was successful in some ways, um, 
again, because we kind of suspected that, yeah, Tom's dead or not real. Uh, but I think most of us, certainly me, um, didn't know the whole heart transplant thing. That wasn't mm-hmm. something that we um, expected. So I think it was successful in that way. I think it was less successful um, just with how kind of like quickly it was pushed through. Um, we didn't get to really like savor in those moments and play it out. Yeah. I feel like when you have a movie called Last Christmas, that it is in and of in itself, I like hint. Um, Cause that's the only way I knew like there was probably going to be a twist was I was like, okay, last Christmas, because my original theory was that one of them's going to die. Um, and then it wasn't until the day of I watched, I was like, oh, I think he's an angel. Um, and I was so convinced that like in my note taking, I would write angel next to everything. So like the opening scene in the church, angel, Tom knows all this stuff about people. He's an angel. He says, look up, literally he's an angel. Um, so I feel like those made it pretty obvious. The one movie it did remind me of, uh, which I mentioned earlier, there's a movie called The Preacher's Wife. Have you ever seen that movie? It's another Christmas movie. That with Whitney Houston? Yeah. And Denzel, Denzel yeah. Washington plays a uh, angel who comes down to earth to like help them help out this preacher and the preacher's wife. Um, so I, I had a lot of similarities between those two. Well, I guess I don't really know if Tom is supposed to be an angel. That would be my one like connector into it being a Christmas Eve themed movie. So I, is he a ghost or is he an angel or is he both? Oh, I mean, not speaking literally. Um, well, like I said, I started thinking of him as a guardian angel. I mean, yeah. he operated in that way. Um, yeah, he's a he's a ghost, but he's not just any ghost. Like there's a there's yeah. a very specific connection between those two. So I don't know. I think you can make an argument that he's that he's both. And see, I feel like I don't need him to say like I'm an angel or whatever, or I was <laughs> sent here. Like I don't need that. But I feel like if they had had more of a conversation in the goodbye, like it would have been made a little bit more clear and it would have for me um connected it to like a more maybe like of a christmas themed Mm -hmm. movie um with the guardian angel aspect but and i'm not saying it's i'm i'm iffy on the christmas thing i'll just say that i see where your point is um but i think it was also like a lot of other things too that it tried to be so i don't know when we want to talk about all those other things but yeah yeah uh let's get into that now actually um so you started talking about this earlier the scene the first scene at tom's flat Mm -hmm. uh so you might have to remind me what immediately precedes it because i don't remember but kate is is drunk she's kind of messier than ever she's at a low point uh and runs into tom and tom takes her to um his flat where they end up sitting on the floor because she doesn't want to sit on anything because it's so nice and tidy. So she just opts for the floor. She kind of spills her guts, her feelings to him in this scene. Um, but I want to read a, a couple of quotes that, that happen um, in this exchange. So Kate says, they took out my heart. They took it and threw it away. And I don't know what they put back, but it felt weird and different and strange. And like I'd lost my special part. And they kept telling me I was lucky to be alive, but I didn't feel alive. I just felt half dead. And Tom says being special is overrated. Being human is hard enough. 
um, Tom later says, every little action of the common day, this is, he's citing something someone told him once, every little action of the common day makes or unmakes characters or character. It just means that you're built of everything you do and that's okay. And he says later, what's all this me business anyway? What's wrong with not knowing, you know, being inconsistent, just uncertain? Why do you have to be anything? Which is really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> because what the fuck is this scene? <laughs> the scene feels kind of uncertain and inconsistent. Uh, and maybe it doesn't have to be anything. But to me, it felt uh, very unfocused and convoluted. Uh, and again, represents what I think is a big problem in this movie, which is that it's just, it's not sure of what it wants to say. Um, I think you you and I are, are, are both, or maybe I'll speak for myself, pretty big on like, what's kind of the takeaway of this movie? What big conversation can we leave this movie with? And I don't know what that is in this movie. I So I said, this might be another thing we differ on. Uh, I said earlier that I felt like they did it one thing pretty effectively. And I felt like it was this conversation about chronic illness and mental health. Um, like I felt like what they included in the movie was done well um and I actually liked the scene in particular oh really okay yeah like I felt like the message they were saying was that it's okay to be uncertain you like you don't have to be anything in particular like Kate's grown up with her mom saying like you're the bright one and you're the special one and so when she feels like she's lost that she's kind of lost herself in a way and um I did I ended up searching for because I wanted to find like some sort of commentary on chronic illness with that was connected with this movie Um, I did come across a review from the lens of someone who uh, experienced chronic illness and so hearing you know that depression is very common after surgery especially like a major surgery that she went through was like oh it seemed very life or death Um, and when you have a chronic illness, it can be really traumatizing. You know, it can be hard to figure out who you are. It changes your relationships. And so Kate, that's how she's basically coping is by getting drunk and lashing out at people and being isolated. Um, And so Jay Cobb is the woman who wrote the article. uh, And I'm just going to quote something here I thought was told really well. Uh, But she said, you almost have to fall in love with who you are all over again, um, basically because your self-esteem can diminish so much. And in this movie, I don't know if it was clear if Kate went to therapy at all after what she experienced, you know, that she does have the doctor's appointment where doctors like, are you eating? Are you sleeping? Are you exercising? But I never heard anything about like, how are you mentally, which Mm -hmm. I think speaks to a bigger issue of mental health support systems in our world and acknowledgement. So in this scene in particular, Um, I felt like it was showing Kate is getting a support system, which is what Tom ended up becoming for her, just someone to talk to about how she feels. I think that's obviously just one small part, like she would need to, I think, also do more probably to feel okay with herself and to, you know, process what she went through. Um, but I feel like it was a turning point for her because afterwards she like wakes up and she's happier and she like kind of has this whole fresh look on life, which might be like not realistic. Um, Mm -hmm. but she does make this turning point happen, which I thought was good for her character. I, I think that's a very generous 
read. I think there are there are bits of of that in this movie in terms of the impact of uh, chronic illness. Um, I think again the problem for me might be that it's trying to do so many other little things. Yeah, that it kind of does everything half-assed. And so for me, this isn't. And I'm I'm not someone who who deals with chronic illness. So if if I was, maybe I I, I would probably I would definitely take something uh, different away from this. But that did not really strike me and 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 again one of the reasons i was interested in this movie is because i was interested in that parallel with um amelia clark's story Mm -hmm. but i don't know that it was really uh fleshed out like i would have liked it to and on on the topic of uh, trying to do too many things so just in terms of like these personal journey journeys you have the fact that she's recovering from heart surgery she's uh an incredibly selfish and inconsiderate person which may have been the case before surgery uh, she's very messy and selfish and lost. She's at odds with her family. There's an immigrant story happening here. Um, there's her sister's journey with her 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 girlfriend. Like there's just, I, I yeah. think there's just too much uh, going on. I totally agree. There's like a lot of issues and some, for me, I felt some were done a little bit better than others. Like I think mm-hmm. this whole side of mental illness and recovering from surgery Um that was my like biggest takeaway from this movie. And so probably that's why I feel like it's less of a Christmas movie um, because that was, and I think everybody who watches this movie probably comes away from it with a different take of it. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe that wasn't the case for someone else. Maybe the immigration immigration aspect of it, which is something else we want to talk about. Maybe that was something, you know, other people had more of a connection with. So, sure, you know. I think that's probably why it doesn't feel like a Christmas movie to me is that there's just so much else going on with what's mm-hmm. happening. So, and I think when I look at those things individually, I like them, mm-hmm. but again, I just think it's too much of them. And I think it, the the movie would have been better served. I think if it had focused more on just one or two of those things. Okay. So the only other scene that I really want to get to is the, the ending uh, the mm-hmm. concert at the homeless shelter. Is there anything else before then that you wanted to touch on? There's a few different immigration stories happening that we've talked about a little bit. One already being the Yugoslavia wars in the 90s, which is why Kate's family had to move to London. But then also Brexit is happening uh, at this time. I think like it was a had started a year before the movie takes yeah. place. Um, and so with with Brexit happening, which was basically when the uh, UK departed from the EU, um, one of the key drivers for like why they think it happened was because of concerns about increased immigration in the UK. And when I was researching how it really affects immigration, the takeaway that I found was that uh, you can no longer freely live and work between the UK and the EU. And so migrant workers need a visa to live in, in the UK. So it's brought up a few times in the movie. There's like a TV news clip that Petra is watching with Kate. Um, it's very quick. And she is recalling back to when she was in Yugoslavia. She says, I know how it starts. They say like, these people are the reason why your life is bad. And then they believe it. There's also the bus scene, um, which was really also very quick, but there's a really ignorant man on the bus who tells two people who are speaking uh, in Serbo-Croatian, who are 
also just minding their own business, I'll say, um, but he tells them to speak English or get out of England. And so I was reading also an interview with Paul Feig, 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 Feig. I'm Paul sorry, Feig. <laughs> I was, I was reading an interview with him about uh, why they included this. And he said, quote, you can't really tell an immigrant's story in London without playing into Brexit because it does hang over the immigrants. We tried to, to touch it in the lightest way possible. We didn't want to make it a political story. At the same time, it would not be an honest story if we didn't have an immigrant family dealing, dealing with the fears of what Brexit means to them. So like, I totally get the reasoning. I just feel like, again, we've said this is such a weighty subject and in some ways it added to the story, but I feel like in a lot of ways it didn't. Like, for example, the TV news clip between Kate and her mom was so brief and then Kate like took her out shopping afterward. Um, you mentioned like in the doctor's office, um, Pietra says all of her friends were murdered, which is supposed to be a comical moment, but then it's also like, well, that was also like very serious for her. So yeah, I mean- It almost kind of- undermines this not message but you're talking about the immigrant story and I realize this is a comedy and and certainly there's a way you can do it comedically but I don't know I think you risk kind of undermining by making jokes like that and, and uh her mom Petra after she they're watching the news clip and she says I know how this I know how this goes they start blaming you for their life and then she says I blame the polls um which again is supposed to be a funny moment but is it kind of undermining Mm -hmm. this um kind of important story that Paul Feig you know wanted to include um and on that note I, I will say that although I, I ultimately think this movie tries to juggle too much and just doesn't do it super well I also can respect the idea that so this movie is set in 2017 it would be kind of weird to ignore Brexit to, to you know Paul Feig's point as you referenced um or just this idea that like it's realistic. We, we all have a million things going on in our lives. At, at any one you know, given moment, we might have one thing in particular that's kind of the overarching thing in our lives, whether it's your job or school or it's an illness or whatever, but that, that everything else doesn't stop, right? Like we still yeah. have all these other things going on. And I think that's kind of what Paul Feig was attempting to do was to kind of insert real life. Um, I just don't know that it it quite works. Do you think this movie could have benefited or maybe even still like been the same movie if they hadn't made it an immigrant aspect? If they hadn't included the immigrant story? Mm -hmm. I don't like say um, if their family was just they were from London. I don't think the answer is to exclude it. Um, yeah. You're also you're in London, a, a major metropolis that I'm, you know, if it's anything like New York City, uh, has people from all different walks of lives and different um, countries and has a lot of immigrants. And so uh, to totally ignore that and to not represent immigrants could also be seen as, you know, unrealistic and irresponsible or whatever. Right. Um, so I don't, I don't know that the answer would be to get rid of it. I don't even know that the answer would be to do more with it. Maybe yeah. the answer is that he, they just needed to concentrate more on one of the other story lines. Yeah. So like her illness, again, what, what I said, what I think is a, a generous read or takeaway about chronic illness, I think that was possible with this film, but I think they fell short. And so maybe if they had uh, somehow 
flesh that out more, you could get away with, not you know, get away with, or, or more successfully right. include, uh, you know, the immigrant story and some of those other storylines. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I think they, again, they could do either or, but I feel like you always like need to connect it back to your main story of what's going on. And with it, with the immigration side, I think that it was just like shot so quickly and there, it was more like a side note than it was fully like integrated into the whole entirety of the story. Um, Like I feel this is another like criticism, criticism I have is that the relationship between Kate and her mom, I feel like could have also benefited from them having a conversation and like her, cause Kate, as you've said, talks about her mom in the way that um, her, saying that her mom perhaps like liked when Kate was sick and all of these things, which I'm sure wasn't necessarily the case and Tom even says like you know brings it to light for her um in a way but you know I feel like the reason that her mom is so protective over Kate is because Kate did have this illness and um you know I think it's it's more it's probably like a misunderstanding from Kate's part um where her mom just feels like she has to like watch over her more and be like a hawk and try to control what's happening. Cause probably during that time when Kate was sick, everything felt out of control. Um, but they never like really cleared that up. They had the montage yeah. of them going out to the farmer's market and having a drink, but they never had a discussion. So I, that was another thing I wish they had kind of cleared up a little bit more. Yeah. I, I thought that montage was nice. You saw them both trying to kind of understand each other uh in different ways but yeah we didn't really have like any kind of like substantive conversation or dialogue about them really understanding each other um yeah I also want to say uh, um back to the bus scene mm-hmm. where the uh Croatian did you say Serb Croatian um couple Serbo Croatian mm-hmm. uh where they get harassed and then Kate intervenes and when she introduces herself she says her name is Katerina um, I thought that was a, a nice scene of her finding kind of a um, a piece or balance like with who you know where she's from and, and, and who she is um, so I thought that was yeah. a nice moment on this note I do think we should talk about two it's kind of one of my why the flick moments but we'll just go ahead and start talking about it why have a British actress play a woman from Yugoslavia who escaped war and and, mm-hmm. and put on a an accent. Yes. I, that didn't sit right with me. Even when I was watching it, I was like, well, my first, before I heard Emma Thompson talk, when I first saw her, I was like, oh, she's in this, which I usually like when she's in something. But then seeing that she was supposed to be representing an immigrant, I was like, ooh, especially in the t- like current times we're in, you know, it just felt a little misplaced. Um, so I read that Paul Feig, Feig. <laughs> damn it, Paul Feig said, um, so he said that Emma Thompson wasn't like originally meant to play that role, but he felt like she could bring um, humor to it as needed. And like, she could envelop this like complicated role. Um, he like 
kind of acknowledged that they tried to make it as authentic as possible. So like they cast Boris Isakovic as um, Kate's father, mm-hmm. who is Serbian, um, but they also wanted to make sure it was enter- an entertaining cast. And I was like, mm, I don't know. I mean, that's almost saying like there's no entertaining you know, Serbian women who could have played that role well. Exactly. I think they could have. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, I think that's kind of a, a, a cheap excuse. Um, yeah. The other thing, too, is like part of maybe a big part of the humor is Emma Thompson's delivery of these lines in an accent, which is maybe not making fun of an accent, but kind of like, right. <laughs> like if, if the humor kind of hangs on this what we know as a British woman delivering in a completely different accent. That, I don't know. I think that's a little um, questionable. And, and I don't know. I, I just, I don't think it's, it's okay. I think yeah. uh, it, it get, the film gets away with it because, um, because it's, it's a white actor playing within the same race. Right. Right. Um, but don't think that's I don't think that's good enough <laughs> no I, I agree yeah. it didn't sit right with me like I said um so yeah I think that criticism was valid uh on that part there's another immigration story happening too within this movie that we haven't really like talked about at all but it's Santa yeah um that I just really like want to bring up really quick as we're talking about this but I think this is why I have there's so many like things happening within this movie um and what it's trying to say so there's an ignorance I think from Kate even who thinks that this woman's real name is Santa when it's obviously like I knew I think when I was watching I was like I know her name's not Santa that's just a nickname her real name is um and I hope I pronounced this correctly but Juan Jinxin is her born name but she's always had to go by nicknames like when she worked at a pet store she was Kitty or at a bakery um she had to be called Muffin, which actually, side note, Muff apparently is short for, uh, it's British slang and it's short for a woman's pubic hair. Yeah. You didn't know that? Did you read that? No, no I knew that. <laughs> no, I read it on IMDb trivia and I was like, oh, I, that's why like when you, I didn't watch it back, but apparently um, Kate like really laughed, like has like a chortle at that because of the meaning behind it. Uh, but yeah, even like, so there's that side of it, but then even Juan shows, like, I think a bit of ignorance too, by not willing to learn the boy's name who she dated, which is like a whole other side plot happening that I did not really need. It was like, yeah. it didn't give me much. Um, so I, I don't know, like there's a lot happening. And then two, like when Kate forgets to lock up the shop, um, the consequences of Juan having to, you know, make it look like a break-in attempt, I think has even bigger ramifications for someone who is an immigrant because, I mean, I'm not sure like what her status is or anything. I don't know. And they didn't get into any of that, but I feel like there's, there's a lot of nuanced things happening with the Santa character too, that didn't really like get elaborated on very much. Yeah. And, and you're right. We didn't talk at all about Santa and um, her her love interest who she calls uh boy and I, I don't even know his name it was so mm-hmm. it was just different <laughs> like um Kate says at, at one point that watching that was like watching a Scandinavian movie 
um, <laughs> which I haven't watched a Scandinavian movie in a long time, but that sounds right. And it's just such a different like vibe and style than the rest of the movie. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Like, you want to start talking about where could they have maybe cut things uh, <laughs> to make time for other more important things to flesh out. Um, right. That was that'd probably be something that uh, you could cut. I also I, I didn't like. Um, like you said, Kate was kind of uh, ignorant about her. Um, when she, when Santa giggles like over boy, <laughs> um, Kate says, "You're giggling like a girl," <laughs> and Santa's like, "I, I am a girl." Um, right. I just didn't. I don't know. I thought that was like disrespectful. <laughs> um, yeah. That like she couldn't be like. Um, a romantic person or like a romantic character um in this film so yeah I didn't love that yeah the the whole relationship between the boy and Santa was like just felt misplaced to me when they like he first enters the scene I'm like oh are they like long lost lovers like I don't even know yeah. how they knew each other previously if they or if this was just literally like love at first sight um so yeah, I don't know. I did want to ask you though, speaking of uh, them, they bond over all of these tacky ornaments that she has in her shop. And I wanted to ask if you had a favorite ornament that you saw uh, in her shop. Mine was the Yule Gibbon, the one that like made a noise yeah. that did sound a little um, creep- creepy maybe, mm-hmm. but some of the other ornaments just to help spark your your memory one was a um a baby with a full set of teeth and a disco nativity scene um there was a robot ballerina there was a crocodile with pom-poms there was just a lot in there I was gonna say crocodile with pom-poms because one of the police officers points it out in a very dry funny way um so I'll go with crocodile with pom-poms I was gonna say my favorite like tacky Christmas ornament it's probably any of my Cleveland Browns ornaments. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, any of mine are probably dog related. I have a lot of dog ornaments. Okay. So after the big twist, the big reveal, um, it's time for the concert at the homeless shelter where Tom worked nights but didn't. Um, and where Kate started volunteering as she kind of learns how to um learns that her actions make her character and uh to not be so selfish and all that um so yeah it's just it's a fun christmas concert scene uh kate leads the concert she's in her elf costume with lights this time um it's they, they, she sings last christmas obviously mm-hmm. um it's it's fun it's indulgent i think it's an obligatory uh final scene except that it's not (laughs) the final scene. Um, But I also, I just wanted to read um, part of this quote that she says uh, before the concert starts, which is, we are so lucky to be alive. We are so lucky to be able to help each other because helping each other is in fact what makes us happy. That's a bit of a a paraphrase, but which I think this came up in in maybe Soul or one of our um, episodes, this idea that our purpose in life is just to be there for each other and to help each other. Um, so I like that it it came up there. I kind of think it's like yet another message. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that maybe he's trying to throw at you, but I still I still kind of like that. Okay, so fun concert scene. And you think it's over. I thought it was over. <laughs> this movie had it, so many endings. <laughs> yeah. 
So then we cut to a family dinner uh, with her parents, her sister. Uh, this time her sister has brought her girlfriend, Alba. Um, they're having Christmas dinner. They're wearing like the crowns. Um, there was something else, some other tradition there. But anyway, uh, I can't remember what they talk about, but it's just like a, a joyous uh, kind of celebration. Her mom, you know, tries to sing like a, a sad song from the old country that she gets razzed for. There's, she makes a weird joke about lesbian pudding. I didn't, I didn't get it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I feel like that scene was really just to show like, hey, the parents are okay with her being a lesbian. Right. Um, it's, it's like a, everyone lives happily ever after scene. Yeah. So we're done. No, right? no, no. So now we cut to like next year it's springtime and Kate is, she has a bit of a different look haircut. It's nice and curled. Uh, she's sitting on the bench. This is the bench in the park that Tom took her to. It's actually a bench that was dedicated to Tom. Um, and she is journaling and just looks happy. And then she looks up as Tom always told her to do. And then that is the end of the movie. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Honestly, this movie could have ended at the concert. Could have ended uh, at the concert scene. Probably should have. I did kind of like the dinner scene. But definitely end there. I did not need the yeah. scene of her in, in the park. I feel like they try to make this park more than what it was. It was a cute park, but. I think it's a real park in London. It looks like a real park. Mm -hmm. Oh, I meant to look up the, um, the murals behind it. Oh, there is an artist. I did not grab the name, yeah. but it is a um, right. pretty well-known artist in London. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, sorry, guys. You'll have to look that up for yourself. I looked up so many <laughs> other things. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. So I don't, you know, why three endings? Don't know. Uh, definitely indulgent. A little too much so. Um, but that's it. That's the movie. Now let's talk about our why the flick moments. Oh, I feel like we're going to have a lot. I actually only have three. I, look, there are probably a lot of why the flick moments. True. There are a lot of like somewhat cringy things. I've already talked about my big one, which is why the flick is Emma Thompson playing a woman from former U Yugoslavia, especially as part of uh, an immigrant story. Uh, but we already talked about that. Uh, why the flick won't Kate just silence her phone if her mom keeps blowing it up and she's dodging her? <laughs> it's not that hard. I ask this question about people all the time. I, my phone is on silent unless I'm working and expecting work calls. Yeah. No, I mean, I... <laughs> I don't know. I think there are people who silent their phones and people who don't. And it's a very like split divide. Um, like I don't silence my phone, but if I get a call, like and I can't answer it, I'll just mute it. Okay. What's one of your, why the flick um, so one of mine is why the flick, are you going to stand under a bird and look up? I feel that's what happens and how, I guess if you were to say that it was a meet cute, um, that's how Tom and Kate meet is that he's looking up and she goes out to see him and he's looking up at a bird and he's like, look at that bird. Um, then the bird poops in her eye, which you can't tell me that you're not going to get pink eye from that, but they say it's good luck if you get pooped on by a bird. I saw someone refer to that as a meat poop. I saw that too. <laughs> uh, that made me laugh. Um, um, you go ahead. Why the flick did Kate out her sister like that? Mm. I think she was lashing out. We kind of already talked about that. Why the flick are there three endings? Mm. Well, I mean, I feel like there, there are a lot of why the flicks. Um, 
this is one that I came across that someone had asked. And I was like, that's a very good question. Why the flick does a year round Christmas store only have two employees? Uh, Yeah. Good question. Although that seems to be the story of every store right now. Well, everyone's understaffed. That's true. Um, Look, Jurassic Park was understaffed. So (laughs) a (laughs) reference. Yeah. We can't staff uh, Jurassic Park. Um, Why the flick was she, after they went ice skating, why the flick was she carrying two pair of ice skates after Tom leaves? Was it his? Yeah, but why does she have his? And would he actually, would there actually be ice skates? Because he's not real. Right. So were they invisible? I don't know. That's, I didn't catch that. Hmm. Hmm. Any other ones? Interesting. Um, So I said, I ask, why the flick did Tom offer to conceal Kate while she's changing if he knew he's a ghost? He's like, I mean, fair. Did he... I think, I think she told him to, like, I think she just kind of threw him into it. True. And then he was like, yeah, like, uh, this isn't going to do any good, but I'll try. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, the only other why the flick I have is why the flick is there a scary clown named Klaus thrown into the Oh my gosh. Yes. Thank you. That was like my original why the flick moment. I forgot to write it down. I was like, yeah, I tried to like, look up, like, is this like, a famous thing in London or Britain no there was nothing there was no reference to this other than the actor I did not grab his name um but yeah he only shows up two times maybe and she knows him by name she's like go away Klaus um so yeah just another one of those things that was just like random didn't really need that he was also Klaus was at the concert the Christmas concert yeah yeah. which like who who invited him and and the realtor was at the Christmas concert too from the one who told her that you know Tama died just randomly oh there's another why the flick why the flick is that apartment a box (laughs) like a literal box I don't know maybe it's prime real estate in uh in London yeah maybe they don't have a lot of you know space in a big city maybe it's uh you get what you get but yeah it was definitely very very tiny yeah all right, let's move on to our ratings. But first, I want to read mostly one quote, but a couple of quotes from movie reviews. Mm-hmm. This one is from the Rolling Stone movie review, which was like maybe the most brutal, uh, <laughs> written by David Fear. This is just uh, one quote from that review Last Christmas is bad, incredibly, shockingly, monumentally bad. The kind of bad that falls somewhere between finding a lump of coal in your stocking and discovering one painfully lodged in your rectum. Wow. The kind of bad that you get. (laughs) I'll keep going. (laughs) The kind of bad that you get when you bring together people of enormous talent and then are forced to watch them flail around, lost in flop sweat desperate, attempting to make romantic comedy that is mind-bogglingly short of both elements. Wow. Brutal. Yeah, there were a few reviews that were like, is this the worst Christmas movie ever? Yes, I disagree. But a review from EW's Derek Lawrence, uh, it's actually he lists like 25 reasons why he loves the movie, but he calls it the best bad movie of 2019, Mm. which might be fair. Uh, Hollywood reporters John DeFore 
says it's a misfire by just about any measure, but it earns some warm feelings for its determination not to be like anything else currently in circulation, which I think is a big reason why mm-hmm. I like it. Okay, so ratings on Rotten Tomatoes. It is rotten. <laughs> it gets a 46% critics review, 81% audience. On IMDb, it gives a 6.5 out of 10 stars. So I think there are like a couple ways that you can look at this movie and rate it. I think you can rate it as a Christmas movie if you think it's a Christmas movie. Um, and that can be a lower bar. Maybe it shouldn't be. But again, in a world inundated with Hallmark Christmas movies, we, we've lowered the bar. Or you could look at it as just like any other movie. If I was rating this as a Christmas movie, because I very much think it's a Christmas movie, I agree with the last quote that I read that it 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 goes for it and it's unlike really anything else out there, or certainly uh, unlike any other Christmas movie to some extent, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I were rating this as a as a Christmas movie, I might give it like a like a three point nine, something like yeah. that. Um, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to rate this as uh, a movie uh, as a whole. And although I like it, I just bought it on Amazon Prime <laughs> and will continue to watch it every year because, again, I love Amelia Clark and she makes this movie, uh, or she's the best about this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of all the reasons we've talked about, it tries to do too much. Um, it's not totally successful in it's pulling off its twist um so i will give it a 2.9 out of five flicks yeah i really thought you were going to give it higher so i don't feel so bad now about my reading um if i if i hadn't rewatched it and looked at it more critically i probably i would have been like oh it's a 4.5 right right. i love it yeah (laughs) But now um, I've been ruined. Yeah, I'm kind of in the middle of the Rotten Tomatoes ratings, like between the critics and the audience. So that's kind of where I fall. Um, I liked it, but it's probably something that I'll never watch again, in all honesty. <laughs> um, <Dang> up. <laughs> like the saving grace, I think, is Amelia Clark. As we've said in this, she was a real joy to watch. And I loved her elf outfit. Uh, throughout I really liked the Christmas music in this the music was really good like I would listen to a Spotify playlist um, of the soundtrack my my favorite scene was the ice skating rink um, date I thought that was really well done I did like the for me I like the message that it shared about mental health and chronic illness that being said again think it missed the mark on a lot of other themes like immigration Brexit uh, in particular felt really surface level. I wish that they had had more of a meaningful conversation between Kate and her mom. I felt like the twist was good, but it was also a little too on the nose. Like, am I ever going to listen to last Christmas the same again? Uh, I don't know. We'll see. But um, it did give me my new favorite insult, uh, which was Naveen Tana Cross. So I like that. All that said, I'm going to give a similar rating of three out of five, just a solid three. It's very, nice. I'm very middle of the road on it. Yeah. I, I, I thought you might go lower, but that's not bad. I do like, if, if you haven't seen it, watch it. Yeah. It's, it's worth I'd it. say it's worth one watch and then see how you feel after that. 
All right, Claire, what is your pick for next week? Next week is Christmas week. That being said, I don't know if you'd classify this as a Christmas movie. You better not. (laughs) No, it's not. Um, It does. uh, Christmas does happen during this movie, but uh, I'd say it's close enough to being having a theme of never mind I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that no it it um Christmas happens during this movie so I feel like it's fine to talk about it during the week of Christmas it is going to be Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone which had its 20th anniversary this year which is why I wanted to pick it so I'm excited to get into it so if you think last Christmas was a Christmas movie or it wasn't however you feel about it let us know uh, by giving us a review on apple Podcasts. we're also on spotify you can subscribe there you can also support us by following our social channels we are at why the flick on instagram twitter and tiktok so check us out there that's it bye